0: On today's show, we talk about Jane Toppin and Kenneth Erskine. You're listening to Bad in the Boondocks. Bad in the Boondocks Bad in the Boondocks People put it down but what you supposed to do in a small town Bad in the Boondocks Bad in the Boondocks. Lord have mercy. Can't help me. In bad in the Boondocks. Hey, and welcome to Bad in the Boondocks. As always, with you, I am Stan. And I'm Giroux. And we're glad that you're listening. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't really think there's much housekeeping today. Go to our website, badintheboondocks.com. Send us a message. Subscribe to our show through any platform, through the website. Visit mm-hmm. our Facebook page. Join our Patreon page, one of our tiers there. Other than that, rate, review on whatever platform you listen to. Share it. Tell a friend. All right, Drew, I think it's your turn to go first today. Yes, I think it you're is. doing miss- Missy again missy again last time i did a male yes but you do a lot of missies.
1: well i try to make it equal you know so mine's on jane Topping. all right she was born honora kelly in the 1850s and was the youngest of four girls in a poor irish immigrant family her mother died of tuberculosis when she was a year old after the death of her mother, it is said that her father, who was a tailor, went insane and sewed his own eyelids shut and continuously
0: abused the girls. How in the world are you able to how, sew your I, eyes shut? Well, especially okay, once, wait, you wait, once you do one
1: eye. Once you do one eye. How and do then, you see that do the other one? Well, not even that. Once you close the other eye to sew it, That's
0: what I just said. How can you see it?
1: Yeah, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) God. For real, how do you do that? I I don't don't know. know. You just have to take it. And he continuously abused the girls.
0: I mean, how did he see them to do it?
1: Well, I think he did that before. So does eyes shut. Uh. Okay. In 1863, the father brought eight-year-old Dahlia and six-year-old Honora to an orphanage. He then was sent to an asylum for being insane. When both of the girls turned 10, they found themselves homes, and it is said that Dahlia ended up a prostitute and an alcoholic. Honora, on the other hand, became a servant to the Toppin family. The family changed her name to Jane Toppin and Mrs. Annecy Toppin, which was the mother of Lowell, Massachusetts, told people that Honora was a little Italian girl whose parents died at sea. She was not the only sibling, though. She had an adopted sister, Elizabeth Toppin, who was about the same age as her. They treated the blood-related child great, getting her gifts and spending time with her. But as for Jane, she was treated no more than a maid. Some say this contributed to her becoming a sociopath. Even with the harsh treatment, Jane excelled in school and had many friends. At age 18, Jane graduated from Lowell High School, and this freed Jane from her maid job, and she was given $50, but she still stuck around as a servant. When Anna Toppin died, the sister Elizabeth Toppin took over the house and still remain treating Jane as a maid. But she did show her more respect than the mother did.
0: That's at least somewhat good.
1: Yeah, well, she's still kind of like a
0: Cinderella.
1: Yeah, but now during all this time, after her 18th birthday, she was free to leave at any time, but she decided not to. But really, it was probably because she didn't really have anywhere else to go. True that. I mean, like, where does she think she's going to go at this time.
0: If she would have saved up her money.
1: I mean, I don't know. $50 at the time was a little, was a little, lot more when was than this? today. When was this? This was around the 18, oh. around eighteen. seventies. Um, well, that's,
0: that's definitely a lot more than today.
1: Yeah, but yeah. Um. Now I've got to find where, where I stopped at. <laughs> Yes, Um. Jane then started training as a nurse at a hospital in 1885, and there is where she earned her nickname, Jolly Jane, because of her friendly, outgoing personality. During her time there, it was said that she had stolen many small things from the hospital, but was never caught. The hospital grew concerned with her infatuations, with <laughs> autopsies, and didn't know that she was experimenting with morphine on elderly
0: patients. Did you say 1890? No.
1: Oh. What year? I said around 1870-something.
0: Okay, well then, it was worth, $50 would be worth at least $1,318.
1: Dang, she she could have gotten out and (sighs) bought herself a...
0: An apartment, cheap
1: apartment, yeah, cheap apartment. That yeah. would have actually worked great,
0: and gotten a job. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which I mean, she did become a nurse. So I mean, she just got used to at eighteen eighty five. Yeah, that, because think. like at eighteen eighty five, she did become a nurse. So it's not like she didn't have the chance yeah. to go out and get stoned. Yeah, <laughs> she could have done whatever she wanted. Well, one patient. Amelia Finney, had an operation in 1887. And afterwards, she said that Jane gave her a dose of bitter medicine, which caused her to lose consciousness. After she was knocked out, Jane climbed into her bed and started kissing all over her face. Okay, yeah. But something startled her.
0: Maybe and her kissing her and, tongue? And then she stopped. Oh, something startled Jane.
1: Yeah, something startled Jane. No. Yeah, because Amelia was already knocked out.
0: Okay, well... Something startled Jane. Maybe she had... Maybe she had... Stank breath. Maybe she came for the first time in her life and it startled her. And she thought she wet the bed.
1: Oh, yeah, that is probably... That's probably what
0: happened. She's a nasty freak, she is. Mm -hmm. Especially for the 1800s. I know she is. Good Lord. Cause you ain't supposed to do none of that, none of that stuff. Jane, around. Toppin was popping. Mm-hmm. What I mean, she look like?
1: I would have to look her up. You haven't looked her up? Yes, I have looked her up, but I don't have the picture. with Oh, me. so you mean
0: I have to look her up? So I want to know. In
1: the meantime, you can look her up. And was she I'll a
0: hottie? No,
1: she was not. I mean, I can't really describe. But. Maybe not to you. Well, let me continue. Oh yes, she was. No, mm
0: mm. Oh yeah, she no, was she a Jolly was not. Jane.
1: That looks like a Jolly Jane too. She looks mm-hmm. like a. Yeah. I don't even know. Sophisticated. Well, anyways, when Amelia awoke, she thought that it was all a dream and didn't think more of it. But then, fourteen years later, Jane was arrested, and this made Amelia realize that what happened to her was not a dream. After Jane was released from um, suspicion of the death of two patients, she got a job at Massachusetts General Hospital, but lost it after recklessly giving
0: out opiates. See, that's the... I can never do that because I would take it all myself. I would never I know give it you to would, the You patients. could take the whole freaking bottle. It wouldn't even face I know, and body. I'd still do my job better. I know that. <laughs>
1: Um, outside of work, Jane loved causing trouble and enjoyed turning friends against each other. But to the doctors, she seemed excellent at her job, always cheerful and compassionate, caring for her patients. She was earning about twenty-five dollars a week, but women at that time normally earned about five dollars a week. So she was, yeah, she bringing was, she in was the hitting day. it. She then befriended her elderly landlord, and his wife. But when they got feeble and cranky, she killed both of them. As you do. Not really. That might be your thing, but I, c- I don't think oh, I could actually that's do that's not normal. No, that's not. Oh. If you didn't get the hint. Good to know. In 1889, 70-year-old Mary McLear became ill on a visit to Cambridge. And when she was at the hospital, they sent The best nurse there, Jane Toppin, to care for her. Mary was then poisoned and died. A month later, Jane's friend and her were both looking for the same job, so Jane killed her and got the job. But that that did not last long because they found financial irregularities and then fired her, so killing her was for nothing. After this, Jane went on a vacation in the summer of 1899 in Buzzards Bay. Wow, Buzzards that, doesn't Bay. that sound like a lovely place? It sounds lovely. I thought so too.
0: Did you really
1: think that too? No, not really. There she met her foster sister Elizabeth Brigham. Elizabeth offers stuff. Brigham what? Hop, I it's shut your mouth. <laughs> Get out. Bring him. <laughs> Bring <him> home. Bring them. Bring home. Elizabeth often suffered from depression, so Jane invited her down to the cape. Now, what is a cape? Isn't that like down to the water? Yeah. I'm just making sure. The next like day, the school system. Jane took her down to the beach for a picnic. There she gave her mineral water laced with strychnine. Jane later stated, I held her in my arms. And watched with delight as she gasped her life out. After the, the death, <laughs> she insinuated herself into the household of Elizabeth's widower, Ormel Brigham. That sounds. Oh, I was thinking of Orville. Rempochard. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was about to say that. Popcorn.
1: She later admitted that she wanted to marry him. Three days later, she killed Brigham's 77-year-old housekeeper, Edna Bannister, and attempted to impress Ormel by taking over as the housekeeper. But, even with Jane's efforts, Ormel made it very clear that he did not want her as a housekeeper or a wife. So, he did the most logical thing to do. So she did the most logical thing to do, and she poisoned him and then tried to win his love love by nursing him back to health.
0: Is that really the most logical thing?
1: It's really not. I just wanted to make it a little sarcastic. Did it work? No. Okay. Not really. Whatever. That was also a fail, and he still did not want her, so she threatened to tell everybody that he had gotten her pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that, she was dirty. I mean, that's that's like... Well, Oramil then ordered Jane to get out of his house, and when she left, she tried to commit suicide by an overdose of morphine.
0: She should have dropped a turtle on the porch I and mean, been like, I had your baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, I would have still went out and told everybody there.
0: His name is Cornelius.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the morphine suicide failed, so then she went to the hospital. She was then released, and then she went to visit an old friend, Sarah Nichols, who lived with her brother in Amherst, New Hampshire. In 1901, a Massachusetts state detective was following her and suspected her of killing the family of Olden Davis. Jane had rented a cottage from the Davis family and failed to pay her rent. Olden Davis's wife, Maddie, went to collect the rent from Jane, but Jane killed her with a mixture of morphine and other opiates.
0: Excuse
1: me. You're not excused. Then she moved in with the elderly Olden Davis just to take care of him, but instead she killed him and two of his married daughters Minnie Gibbs, and Geraldine Gordon. Geraldine Gordon? That doesn't really sound like a ladylike name.
0: Yeah, that's Geraldine.
1: Gerald Gordon. I used to know. Well, n- without the middle name, Gerald Gordon.
0: I thought you said Geraldine.
1: Yes, that's the middle
0: name. Oh, it, the first name meant Geraldine. No, it's just... Oh, it's Geraldine. Gordon. No, that's not a very... I don't think that's a lady. I'm a lady. (laughs) What lady is? My name is Gerald. (laughs) And I'm a lady.
1: (laughs) Well, Minnie Gibbs' father-in-law suspected the sudden death of the family. which he wouldn't. I meant the husband got dead. Then the two children got dead, I meant. So then he ordered a toxicologist to have her body exhumed. This revealed that many Gibbs had died from morphine poisoning. Police then arrested Jane Toppin in Amherst on October 29, 1901. Jane went to trial for murder in the summer of 1902, where she confessed to her lawyer that she had killed 31 people. She said that she had started her killing spree because a boy dumped her when she was 16. Mm. She stated... If I had been a married woman, I probably wouldn't have killed all those people. I would have had my husband and my children and my home to keep up my mind. An eight-hour trial took place, and the jury deliberated for a little 27 minutes. Wow. Yeah, until reaching a verdict of not guilty by reason of insanity. Are you freaking kidding me? No. No. The verdict upset most people. She confessed and um, declared insane. C- Topham was confined for life in the state asylum at Taunton, Massachusetts, where she died in August 1938 at the age of 84. But she was remembered by her housekeepers as a quiet old lady, but older attendants remembered her smile as. She beckoned them into her room. <coughs> she said, "Get some morphine, dearie, <laughs> and we would go out in the ward, and and you and I would have a lot of fun seeing them die."
0: I like her? She was. Quite, That's about it. She was a little freaky. I'm look, not going for eighteen hundred. Yes, she was. A lot freaky. Yeah, that was pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you. Thank you.
1: All right, you ready for yours?
0: I was born ready. I was born that way. I bet you were. We have a babysitter for Tucker the Podcasting Dog today that is not a really good babysitter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're not doing a very good
0: job. Because he's outside the door crying. If
1: you didn't hear it, but...
0: Okay. All right. Well, I am, as I said, doing Kenneth Erskine.
1: Really? Yep. Never heard of it. No, usually haven't heard of the ones
0: I do. No. Nah. Hey, okay. of course I'm in the, the London area. Do I need to do the London accent?
1: Hello, dearie.
0: Oh, what the? That was garbage. That's not. That was absolute garbage.
1: I can only do Australian though. <clears throat> I can't do British anymore.
0: <clears throat> okay. The London Borough of Stockwell. The
1: London Borough of Stockwell. No, that's just Scottish. Never mind. You can get to because that was awful.
0: The London Borough of Stockwell, South London, is a favored place for elderly folk to retire to. In the summer months of 1986, however, a serial killer known as the Stockwell Strangler began a reign of terror amongst this community leaving seven people dead and a further four suspected of being victims. The murder started with the death of 78-year-old Nancy Ems, found dead in bed in her unkempt basement flat in West Hill Road, Wandsworth, on the 9th of April in 1986. At first, the cause of death was thought to be of natural causes, as Nancy was found lying in her bed with no obvious marks on her body. A doctor called to the scene, thought she had been dead about three days, and signed a death certificate certifying natural causes. It was only when Nancy's home help, who had found the body, noticed that a portable TV set was missing that police were called in.
1: Well... (laughs) Now have,
0: you can just listen. Now, have you
1: said w- during what time this was?
0: I did. I've said it, actually, in one sentence. I said it twice. Oh, sorry. 1986.
1: All right, that's not too long ago. No,
0: though. it's not. All right, cool. Continuing. Cool.
1: Go, 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 go.
0: A post mortem revealed that Nancy had been strangled by bare hands. There was also heavy bruising to her chest, suggesting that her killer had kneeled on her whilst he throttled her. Wow. The killer had left virtually no signs of a break in. But police forensic scientists found one minute clue. Minute. You know what (laughs) it was? You had to throw
1: that in there,
0: huh? You know what it was?
1: Um, wait a second. <clears throat> a cum stain.
0: No. A short Afro-Caribbean head hair Are on a bed Are you serious?
1: Sheet. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Sounds like a nappy. Yeah. On June 9th, 1986, the body of 67-year-old widow, Mrs. Janet Cockett, was found in her flat on don't the you over...
1: Like, don't you do it. <laughs> Cockett.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to miss Cockett. <laughs> In her flat on the Overton Estate, Stockwell, South London, detectives were immediately aware that this was a murder. They were dealing with Miss Cockett had been savagely and sexually assaulted and had two fractured ribs as a result of someone kneeling on her chest. Oh,
1: my gosh.
0: Her nightdress had been ripped off of her, then folded up neatly and placed on a bedside chair. And detectives noticed another bizarre feature. Do you know what it is?
1: That they took the time to sit there and fold the clothes neatly?
0: No, I said another one. Family photographs on the bedroom mantelpiece had been placed face down. Oh, I see. He didn't want people watching. Yeah, I know. That'd just be perverted. Police did discover some prints, including a clear palm print at the scene. Oh, my gosh. What an
1: idiot. You know, people can do everything else right, and then they leave.
0: One huge clue. Or a small one. Curly. Nasty. With crap on it. Yeah. Just saying. mm mm-hmm. Pathologist Dr. Ian West examined the victims and determined that they were all strangled by the same killer. Really? Using only one hand. Now, that's pretty impressive. That takes it, skill. It, that is a hard thing to do to strangle someone.
1: I know... It actually really...
0: It's a lot of work and very hard, you would, a lot you of people. would not
1: think yeah. based on because, like, if you've ever had anybody's hands But to actually neck, kill it someone, like it it's take, very hard. Yeah, it's actually very difficult. Anyway. I haven't tried it or nothing. I'm just saying.
0: In such elderly victims, unconsciousness would have occurred within 30 seconds, and death would have taken two to three minutes of strangulation.
1: So you're sitting there with your eyes gouging out. Bulging out, and for two to three minutes.
0: Detectives working both murders compared notes on both of the crimes, but could find little or nothing at that stage to link the both. I say them being strangled by one hand it kind of links them.
1: I mean, but yeah, that is true, ain't it?
0: That view was about to change in little over a fortnight.
1: <laughs> a fortnight. <laughs> Yes. What does that mean? Oh,
0: shut up. In the early hours of June 27th, 1986, retired engineer Fred Prentice was asleep in his room in a council house, old people's home in Cedars Road, Chapman. Mm-hmm. He was awoken by a noise in the corridor outside his room. Mr. Prentice saw a young man enter his room and managed to switch on his bedside light as the intruder jumped on him. Wow. Mr. Prentice tried to shout out, but the killer placed his finger to his lips in a threatening gesture to the serious? old man to be quiet. Are
1: you serious?
0: <laughs> he then squeezed his windpipe.
1: <laughs> you... Wait a second.
0: Where's then relaxed his... What you can feel in your throat.
1: Oh, okay. okay. The thing that hurts. Oh my yeah. gosh, that would feel yeah. awful.
0: And then he would relax his grip, Then squeezed again. Oh, no. Then relaxed and squeezed again. That would
1: take forever to die. Then he
0: relaxed and squeezed again. As he kept squeezing, he uttered just one word over and over. Kill. 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 All right. Okay. Okay. Mr. Prentice managed to hit an alarm button on his bedside wall, which was probably like, you know, help oh fall my falling. Oh my gosh, get
1: up. yes.
0: And although no sound came from it, the attacker was off the bad. Within he escaped. No. Yep.
1: How did he know that he hit it? He saw Well, probably
0: because it was a huge red button on the wall and the man's like Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, but detectives but that was weird because he switched over to a male. So
1: then that would make it even more difficult for people to well, link those now.
0: Yeah. Detectives were now optimistic. Could you do a favor for me? What? Please go turn off the green beans that I'm cooking.
1: Oh, my gosh. They're probably already burnt. No, they're fresh. It takes a while. Southern style. Southern style. You can only listen to that on this podcast. Go turn off the green beans, please. Well, I was going to say string beans. <laughs> that would make it even more worse. I'll be back.
0: Detectives were now optimistic that the crimes were linked, and any remaining doubts that they did have were dispelled the next night as the killer struck again. The bodies of 84-year-old Valentine Glim and 95... <laughs> 94 not 94 94 year old polish born big <laughs> yeah sure that's how you say okay well i'm going to just spell it for you z b i g n i e w <laughs> zigbuzle <Z-b-i-g-n-i-e-w.
1: laughs> zig
0: <laughs> strawberry
1: what strawberry
0: Straw. St- no stay brawa
1: Okay. It we'll, is we'll go with
0: that. It is you Stay brawa. All right. Okay. We're found in their adjoining rooms on June 28, 1986, at Somerville Hastings House. An old folks home.
1: You've said that.
0: This is another old folks home. This person was 86 and 96.
1: He really loves eight people. <laughs> Not eight people, old people.
0: Yeah. All of them are old. Older. Just wiser. Not saying. If you're 86 or 96... Congratulations being able to hear us.
1: For realsies.
0: Or maybe that's why you're still listening, because you can't, can't hear, hear us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, both men have been manually strangled and sexually assaulted. Yuck. This is mighty weird. Ugh. Why are you saying, ugh, Is just old? Yeah, but he's younger. I don't know how old he is.
1: Okay, whatever. Maybe That's he's
0: hundred and six.
1: Oh shoot! Then that'd be good for
0: him. I know he'd be like, "I got, got me so young, young fella. tonight." <laughs> <laughs> he'd be up at the house, be like, "You don't know what I got for me tonight." <laughs> the intruder had been spotted by alert night duty staff, but he vanished before the police arrived. Of course, the entrance was once again determined as an open window.
1: Have you always noticed that? Almost all criminals, whenever they go to the house or anywhere that they think that they're going to be, they're never there.
0: Yeah. What made this horrific crime even more chilling was the discovery of a used flannel and an electric shaver. The killer had calmly washed and shaved after killing two people. Oh, Detect Well, I'm wondering, security's kind of lack at these old folks' homes. I'm,
1: I'm saying.
0: Detective Chief Superintendent Ken Thompson of Scotland Yard was now put in charge of the case and was given a squad of over 200 detectives to try to find the man. Dang. That the newspapers now dubbed the Stockwell Strangler. Plainclothes officers watched dozens of old persons' homes throughout the night. Two weeks after his horrific double murder, the strangler struck again. Uh -uh. This time, he fooled detectives by murdering on the other side of the river.
1: Oh, my God.
0: He, this time, was in Thames, Islington, North London. 82 year old widower William Carmen was found dead in his bed.
1: And he likes widowers.
0: Yes in his bed in his flat on the Marquis estate. The bed sheet was neatly pulled up under his chin, and for the first time since the first murder, there were clear signs of theft. Mm-hmm. 400 to 500 pounds of Mr. Carman's savings were missing, and there were clear signs of ransacking. On the July 12th of 1986, 75-year-old, he's getting young, Oh yeah, Trevor Thomas was found dead in the bath at his home. Little forensic evidence remained as Mr. Thomas had been dead for a long time. What if he
1: was taking a bath whenever he killed him, or, what, or probably, did he try to wash him after he
0: killed no, him? No, I think he was probably taking a bath. And it was due to this that he was not counted amongst the strangler's victims, although he was almost certainly one of them. On July 20th of 1986, the body of 74-year-old William Downs was found in his flat on the Overton Estate in Stockwell. He had been strangled in familiar fashion. Mm -hmm. And police were able to pick up an excellent new lead from the murder scene. On the garden gate and off the kitchen wall, they were able to lift a clear set of the killer's palm prints.
1: So they have a clear palm print. And they
0: had some prints at another crime scene. They had
1: prints at the other place. Yes, they had a nappy, a little
0: nappy here. Remember they had the nappy hair.
1: Was yes, and they had the nappy. That is so much evidence. And today they would have had been like that and have found them. One would think, but I mean that's not long that long
0: ago. Yes, but but DNA. I mean, which we haven't. They didn't have DNA, but I'm sure there was DNA. But that wasn't. It was just right there. But one would think that it would be a formality to match the prints with ones already on Violet Scotland Yard. You had to type that because
1: there's no way that you would say formality in a normal sentence. Well, but. You in, mean like common sense? It would make sense. One would, to, yeah, yes.
0: yeah, formality. I'll act like That it's normal. Yes. Right. But in 1986 fingerprints had already been on computers. They were, didn't have to look through a book anymore. Exactly. Right. So, guess what? The process of transferring palm prints had not even started yet.
1: No. Nope. So you can't match them? Nope.
0: Oh Detectives had a staggering four million files to work through.
1: <laughs> what? And today you just hit the button and then it does right, scan, and it's like, scan, scan. Yeah, for real. Match. You ever watch CSI shows? Yeah, you know that's
0: fact. That's total fact
1: there. Oh, yeah, that's how it actually...
0: Yeah, it takes like two minutes to do DNA tests. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, on there, it's like a few seconds. I know. They're done.
0: <laughs> but by concentrating on London-based burglars and petty crooks, they were able to reduce this job to a little bit of a more manageable size. Three wow. months of searching paid off. After three months, detectives were able to match the prints found at the crime scene's to those of Kenneth Erskine. Finally. A small-time cop, crook. Small-time crook.
1: Small-time cock. <laughs> who
0: had a long record of arrests for burglary and minor offenses. hmm However, police did not know where to find Erskine, and it was while they were searching for him that he killed his last victim. <clears throat> 80-year-old Florence Tisdall was found in her upmarket apartment at Ranelagh Gardens close to Putney Bridge on the July 24th of 1986. She had spent the previous day watching the televised wedding of the Duke and Duchess of York and had even had her hair done specially for the event. She was found the next day manually strangled, sexually assaulted, broken ribs, where the killer had kneeled on her chest.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's not very Sound fair. familiar? She did all of that. She, had, fixed her, she, she had, had her hair did. Yeah, she did that hair did. She, And then she just got... Her
0: nails, her pedicure, her hair did. <laughs> her hair did. <laughs> God. The police search for Erskine intensified. I'm, intensified. Divide. But as he was a drifter with no permanent address, they were reduced to searching through the hundreds of squats and hostels in South London. The fact that Erskine was on a killing spree and could kill again at any time made them move quickly. Their big break came when they discovered that Erskine was claiming unemployment benefits from the Department of Social Security office in Southwark. That's cool. And he was due to collect his next check on July the 28th. A team of detectives kept watch on the building and Erskine turned up right on time to collect his money. Wow. And as he stood in line, detectives clicked handcuffs onto his wrist and said, "Surprise." <laughs> I
1: bet you they did. Erskine
0: it. did not struggle, and there were the end the reign of the stockwell strangler was at an end. It was when detectives began to question Erskine that they realized that they had an uphill struggle on their hands. Erskine spent the majority of his hours of questioning, giggling, staring out the window, or masturbating. Oh my god. And they have that. they basically have to have his, no they don't. He was clearly a disturbed individual. Yeah. But he was not a complete fool. They was just feeling kind of horny. <laughs> In his possession, I wonder if he did all three at the same time: giggled, masturbated, and looked out the window. It's not that hard to do. I mean, okay, sorry, I don't masturbate that much. I haven't.
1: I'm not. Anyway, not anyway, that.
0: anyway, he was clearly a disturbed individual, but was not a complete fool. In his possession, detectives found details of ten bank and building society accounts that Erskine opened to hide the proceeds of his burglaries. Wow. That takes a little thinking to do.
1: I know, but they could just go look there and find all the...
0: Detectives noted that he had paid in nearly 3,000 pounds during his killing spree, but he was still getting unemployment benefits. That's... The palm prints were damning evidence, but they only placed Erskine at two of the murder scenes. And with Erskine refusing to talk and only giggling, masturbating, and staring, detectives searched for other evidence. Too bad he didn't leave any DNA in it. They could have got some at the police station. For real. Fred Prentice willingly attended an identity parade at Clapham Police Station and picked Erskine out of the lineup without a second's hesitation. Scotland Yard also took the unusual step of issuing his picture to the media, in an attempt to find more witnesses. The response brought in several leads, including a woman who saw Erskine on Putney Bridge, 200 yards from the scene of the final murder. Sloppy work, man. Erskine's trial started at the Old Bailey on January 12, 1988, where he was charged with seven murders and the attempted murder of Mr. Prentice. Erskine pleaded not guilty, of course, to all the charges, But he looked around the courtroom vacantly as though he was unaware of where he was. The jury was visibly moved while listening to the evidence, particularly in the case of Mr. Prentice's testimony. Because remember, he lived and hit his alarm button. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. They also heard that Erskine had confessed to burglary the victims, but claimed that someone else must have followed him and killed them. What?
1: That does not make any kind of
0: sense. <laughs> After a trial lasting 18 days, Erskine was convicted of all the charges. He was jailed for seven life terms, with a minimum of 40 years to be served. Police In- believe that Erskine may have killed before his first known victim, and police theorized that due to the frailty and the age of Erskine's victims and the lack of obvious injuries, many may have been attributed to natural causes. Oh, my God. Don't you tell
1: me that he's getting a reduced sentence. What? Because you said that they may have been attributed to natural causes, so if the evidence was looked over again, then they somehow could convert it to natural
0: causes. No. That's saying that he probably killed more but since the people oh, were okay, so okay, old okay, that he okay. killed and frail, it would look like natural causes. So they probably oh, didn't catch him on as many. I see. No, he's in prison. I see where you're going. With <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm done. You're done? Yeah, he, he oh. got convicted. Cool. God, were you not listening? Touche. Do you know what that means?
1: I'm agreeing with you.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Well, this has been Bad in the Boondocks, and as I have been, Stan.
1: And, of course, I've been Drew. Thank you for listening.
0: Come back next week. See you later. Don't be too bad in the boondocks.
1: Please don't say that ever again.